Ladies and gentlemen, now hosting the Rizzo cast, put your hands together for Steven Risotto. What is happening, everybody, and welcome. This is episode number 80 of RizzoCast. I'm Steven Risotto along with Jasper Lindsay, and today we are joined by a sports performance specialist at Dynamic Sports Training in Houston, Texas. It is Hayden Letts. Hayden, what's going on, man? How you doing? Welcome. Not a whole lot, man. Happy to be here. Excited to be on the podcast. Appreciate you guys having me. The Jerry Rice episode, number 80. Oh, yeah. 80. Number 80. <laughs> Dude, we'll get into football right away. You're a U of O grad. How sweet was that win on Saturday? Oh, that was that was huge. I mean, after the Fresno State game was a little shaky. Yeah. And so I was worried, and, you know, I'm in a group text with some of my college buddies, and we're all hesitant, trying to be optimistic. But, man, just watching that game was awesome. I mean, that was just dominance. Yeah, and, and I mean – I won't bounce off that. That was kind of Jasper's thing there to include that because he saw that you went to Oregon. Um, sports performance specialist. I mean, a lot of people are, are kind of watching this and wondering what exactly that means. And I know we've heard athletic trainer. We've heard strength and conditioning coach. But, you know, you don't really hear the, the sports performance specialist thrown out very often. So what exactly does that position mean and, and what do you kind of do? I mean, so basically I am a strength and conditioning coach. Um I operate out of a private facility as instead of a university or a professional team. So the job title is different. Um, but I mean, we operate under the same principles as a strength conditioning coach. You know, we train athletes in all aspects, strength, speed, agility, conditioning. Um, the difference is obviously we work with them usually for college and professional players who work with them during their off seasons. Um, and then obviously on the private side, there is the business nature of it that makes it a little different from uh, the professional or collegiate setting. But, I mean, for all intents and purposes, I'm a strength coach. Yeah, and we've seen specialized training in that industry alone boom in the last couple of years. How did you get started in the physical fitness industry? Um, so actually, I mean, dynamic sports training is where I started. Um, straight out of college, I was looking for internships in the industry. Um, and it was a funny way I found dynamic sports training is, so in the strength conditioning realm, there's a lot of certifications, kind of the main ones are, um, the CSCS or certified strength conditioning coach, which is through the NSCA, or there's the CSCCA, which is the collegiate strength and conditioning coach association, something like that. I can't remember the exact letters, but basically it's a college specific strength certification. Um, and a family friend recommended I look to their website to look for, they had an internship page. And so as expected, it's a bunch of universities, um, you know, Texas, Oregon, et cetera, um, all these internships. And then just sticking out was dynamic sports training. And it kind of threw me off because, you know, that doesn't sound like a college, like, how did they end up on this list? Maybe it's a mistake. And so I clicked on it, followed the link to the website, you know, and on the front page we had, you know, Bregman and Bauer and Carlos Correa and all these professional guys. And I was like, man, I, I love baseball. I want to get into strength and conditioning. This seems like a good place to try to, you know, get my foot in the door. Um, 
So how do you plan for, you know, cause obviously I think a lot of, a lot of what you might do is, is individually based and how do you go about making a, a different plan for each athlete? Cause you know, for example, there's different sizes, there's different athletic abilities and you kind of have to, to cater it towards, you know, kind of a, a different thing for a different guy. So what goes into kind of each plan? Yeah. So generally when, so let's, if we're talking about like a professional athlete, when they come back for the off season, 95% of them, just to not be hundred percent, 95% of them are going to need a lot of the same things. They're going to need to improve mobility. They need to rebuild those basic movement patterns, squat, hinge, push, pull, rotate, that kind of stuff. Um, you know, but outside of that, it comes down to the characteristics of the athlete. You know, are they a strength dominant guy? Are they a speed dominant guy? Um, you know, is one side stronger than the other because right, right-handed or left-handed. Um, so the differences kind of come down to, you know, what are the characteristics and then both, you know, physically on the field, but also um, like their body's characteristics, like what are the limb legs like, um, you know, do they have bad hips? And that could be range of motion things or it could be actual physical bony structures. Um, so, you know, exercise selection differs a lot. You know, one guy might do like a hex bar deadlift. Another guy might be doing a sumo deadlift. Another guy might be doing a squat. Another guy might be doing a belt squat. Um, so ultimately, like, a lot of the basic principles that you're trying to get out of the athletes when it comes to training are the same. The way you approach it differs um, based on the characteristics of the athlete. And what about nutrition? Where does nutrition kind of play a role into this? Um, there are people that go into the nutrition field specifically, specifically for it, but I know nutrition has kind of a place in strength and conditioning, uh, especially if, uh, I mean, you're trying to improve, you know, muscle mass or, or whatever, lose weight. I, I know some people take that route. You have to have a good nutrition. That's kind of a big aspect of it. So how do you kind of go into planning uh, nutrition or is, is that even your place to do that? Do you have a role in that? So we, we don't specifically um, write out the nutrition plans. We usually refer those out to, we have somebody in the company, uh, Chelsea Bellinger is qualified. Basically she's our panels nutrition. Um, but for us, it starts with our assessment process. So we have a biomechanical assessment, which handles, you know, range of motion testing and the stuff I kind of touched on earlier or first, but we also have a body composition part, you know, basic body fat measurements, um, you know, girth measurements, that kind of stuff. And that tells us their body fat percentage, you know, we can calculate their total calories they need in the day from there based on their body fat percentage and what their workload is going to look like during the off season. We can recommend, um, you know, macronutrient breakdowns, so how much protein, carbs, and fats they need in the day. Um, based on when they're training, you know, we can break down when we want to center those nutrients around. So in the morning, we usually want more carbs and protein, kind of taper the carbs off as the day goes on, um, that kind of stuff. But I mean, nutrition in general is just everything for an athlete. It can make or break you. Um, for the younger guys, you know, nutrition is going to be important just because you're growing. You got to eat. Um, and the funny thing we like to say around here is, you know, everybody, everybody's moms say they eat a lot. They eat a lot, right? But it's Cheez-Its, Doritos, cookies, that kind of stuff. 
Um, another thing we notice is everybody underestimates how much they actually eat. Um, so for us, like downloading an app like MyFitnessPal or something like that, where you can actually go in and track your calories, I mean, that's a game changer for a lot of athletes because it opens their eyes to see, you know, it feels like I'm eating a lot, but when I actually sit down and look at the numbers, it's really nowhere near what I actually need. Um, Jasper, what were you just telling me about the Midwest just now and the food? Bunch of fried cheese curds and uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. You're not going to find many healthy foods out here. When I do grocery runs for my apartment, it's all veggies because everything <laughs> I'm ordering out here, a vegetable is like, it's a foreign substance, man. It's crazy. I mean, I've had cheese curds, so I can't, I can't knock them. Yeah, no, they're they're <laughs> delicious, but they'll 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 get you back in the end. But uh, every coach kind of has their own go-to specialty or area they focus on when it comes to fitness. Some emphasize body weight, some emphasize flexibility and stretching, cardio, etc. What's been your go-to mix to get the most out of your athletes, especially when they're kind of new and starting? Um. I don't know if I would say I specialize in anything particular. I've kind of become, I guess I work a lot um, with the sleds, like with our sleds. So we use um, a sled progression to help develop speed. Um, and I've kind of taken the reins on that within the company and, you know, implementing it and doing pro development with the company on how we use it or, um, you know, helping refine the process year by year. So I guess that would kind of be my thing. Um, I'm not picky when it comes to exercise selection, I guess. You know, um, everybody kind of has their go-tos, but I try to mix it up. Fair amount. Yeah, I saw a video on your, your Instagram page um, back in March of your athletes in their vertical leaps. So I know it's it's a really under-the-radar test. Uh, I think, I mean, when I played baseball in high school, we did them. And I think mine was like 24 or 25. And you got guys over here doing like 37, you know, 37.4, 38. I mean, that's ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, it, I mean, it's, it's, take us through that specific measurement and kind of the meaning behind the vertical leaps and what you saw from, from uh, some of your athletes. I mean, so the vertical jump is just a great, overall test of athleticism i mean i mean it's one of the kind of you think about like what does an athlete do they run they jump um so it's just a great overall test of athleticism but we use it a lot um it's a good measure of vertical power um so when it comes to stuff like top end speed that's through uh very dominant or very dominant by vertical force um and then, whereas acceleration is more dominated by horizontal force. Um, so it's a good test of vertical power. Um, we also use it kind of as a readiness test. Um, so twice a week with our pro groups, we'll do a vertical jump. And, you know, if they're operating within 90 to 95% of their best jump, we know they're usually ready to handle a pretty heavy workload that day. Um, whereas, like, you know, if the guy's down, you know, from 35 to 30, 31, probably need to spend a little extra time warming him up or maybe alter that day. Um, so we like to use it like that. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just a great overall, I mean, it's a cheap tool. I mean, even if you don't have the mat like we have, you know, something as simple as tying a tennis ball to some string and throwing over a raptor. I mean, you can do that. It doesn't have to be a specific measurement. 
um, just to be like, or like, you know, everyone was a kid, they ran the hallways at school and tried to touch the lights and stuff like that. So. Yeah, and can you talk to me about how the way uh, mental toughness and working out are kind of intertwined? Because I know mental health and physical health kind of feed off each other. And what sort of relationship do the two have? And especially when it comes to a motivation standpoint, get in that last rep, get in that last set. Yeah, so I know mental toughness has been like kind of that buzzword thrown around a lot lately, especially on Twitter. Um, I'm not big into the word mental toughness. Yeah. You know, I, we operate under principles at DST, so we have what we call our mindset principles, which are be resilient, relentless, have integrity, be dedicated, and be a leader. Um, you know, so we're always trying to build resilient, relentless, relentless athletes. In our mind, that's going to be it, that is going to be that mental toughness. You know, we want them to be resilient, we want them to be relentless, we want them to not back down when things get tough. Um, you know, to accept challenges. Um, so I definitely think as a concept, mental toughness is very important. Um, obviously, we just we view it a little differently. Yeah. yeah. Now, I know one part of the, the, the mental aspect of it is athletes, you know, they want to get they want to get after it right away and they want to get results right away. And mm -hmm. I know that's something that is set in their mind. Like I'm going to start working out and after a week I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to have a six pack and after a week or two, they're looking for automatic improvement. So, you know, what are those conversations like, is there like a warning before, you know, a, a plan starts? Would you say, Hey, this is how long it's going to take. Do you just abandon the timetable at all? Or is it just kind of, you know, a patience thing with, with uh, results? Yeah, it's kind of a patience thing. Um, I mean, that's one of our kind of our selling points is long-term athletic development. Um, you know, I mean, success doesn't happen over overnight. It's a marathon, not a sprint, all those kind of things. Um, you know, we tell our athletes that, you know, if you want to be great, you have to be consistent. Um, it means you got to come in every day. You got to do your entire workout. You got to eat what you're supposed to eat. You got to sleep your eight hours, um, you know, do the stuff. That you're supposed to do um and so we like to highlight that long-term athletic development process by you know reposting athletes or i mean progress pictures are a great one you know whether it's day one to a month or day one to six months or day one to a year like seeing those little results month by month help kind of fuel trust in that process um and then, I mean, we have a guy, a trainer at our company, Jordan Ainsworth, who's actually getting married this weekend. Shout out to him. Um, but, I mean, he has athletes who, I mean, he's a great example of long-term athletic development because he has athletes who he's worked with since they're probably 8 or 10, and they're at, you know, college now. And he's trained with them that entire time. Um, so, like, I mean, when we show people those kind of stories, like, how much work those kids put in. You know, you have kids now that he has worked with since that age. They're playing at Baylor or at um, or Louisiana Lafayette, excuse me, um, or, you know, Texas State or schools like that. Like, these kids started out as 8-year-olds or 10-year-olds with them. Now they're playing college ball and have the chance to play professional. Crazy. Congrats, um, Jordan. 
Yeah, no, congrats to <laughs> Jordan. Big shout. Um, but you train a lot of baseball players. What differentiates them from other athletes? And I mean, not just focusing on muscle groups, but I mean, the kind of the athletic movements that you have to do in general. Yeah. So, I mean, the obvious example is it's a one-sided sport, um, but they're also what we would call an overhead athlete, where at least for the throwing motion, everything happens overhead, right? So, I mean, that's why you see a lot of shoulder problems. Um, but I mean, they're one-sided, they have to rotate. Um, it's a lot of movement in the frontal plane, so side to side. Um, yeah, I mean, they're, baseball athletes are fun to work with though. I mean, everything, like, you know, the grind of the minor leagues, like, if you're not putting in the work, like, you're getting passed up. And so those guys, like, when they come back in the off season, it's so much fun to work with them because they're hungry, you know, they're ready to get after it. It's just, yeah, and I think the thing that's on everyone's mind these days when it comes to the game of baseball, and especially from a pitching standpoint, is how you can build the most velocity. And, uh, I mean, they want to build it quickly. They want to build it fast, especially from a young age. Uh, what's the key to getting a little extra life on the baseball without hurting your arm at such a young age? Uh, at a young age? I mean, high school and up. I mean, it's crazy that the arm injuries we're seeing nowadays. Eat. High school, eat. Yeah. High school kids need to eat. They're all... They don't weigh enough. Um, <laughs> that's just my opinion. Um, yeah, I mean, move well, do the basic stuff. I mean, that's what our founder, Leaf, you know, says, do the basic stuff better. Eat, sleep, lift heavy weights. I mean, that's what a high school kid needs. Yeah, Jasper mentioned that guys are – Throwing hard fastball used to be, what, 91, 92? And yeah. now it's 96, 97, 98. Um, we don't even, we don't even like, make a, make a face when somebody throws 100 miles an hour. It's just kind of a way of life now for these relievers to come out of the bullpen and just fire darts and go all out for an inning. But there is the elbow operations that have risen um, since this started happening. I mean – how do you kind of make sure rest and recovery is part of the process as well? Because, you know, that is what big leaguers do. They they rest. They don't throw every day. So how can you kind of instill rest and recovery as part of the process um, while trying to navigate through the risk of injuries? Yeah. Um, I mean, at least for us in the off season, you know, it's a matter of teaching guys the importance of a routine, you know, um, I mean, it's easy as a starter because, you know, you're pitching every fifth day. So, you know, you should feel a certain amount or a certain percent recovered by that fourth day or whatever it is, right? It's easy to kind of fall into a routine and know how your body should feel. Um, but in general, um, I mean, it's a matter of doing the work during the offseason, you know, making sure your body is strong enough to handle those forces that it's going to have to deal with during that long season. Um, you know, we have a lot of protocols that we take our athletes through, help strengthen that elbow area uh, in the forearm. So, I mean, I feel like we do, we've been doing a pretty good job of doing our part in protecting that. Yeah, and uh, sticking with pitching, I mean, it's kind of implied today that 100 pitches is kind of the cutoff where guys get pulled or even though like pitchers are even more conditioned today than ever, is that a number that makes sense to you? Or do you think 
with the right conditioning and the right preparation, they can go longer into the game? Um, I don't know. I've never – I've been a fan. I've always been a fan of the pitcher going deep into the game. Um, so I get why they do it, though. You know, as analytics have kind of come into the game more, there's that – idea of not letting the guy go through the rotation the third time um in terms of the actual physical side of it i think it just depends on again like how much prep work do they do in the off season but also what do those hundred pitches actually look like you know because if it's justin verlander throwing 100 pitches right by everybody or if it's old giant Matt Moore struggling for three and a third <laughs> for a hundred pitches, and that's I mean those are two very different outings. I wouldn't mind pulling Matt Moore at that point, but Verlander, yeah. you're gonna trust him to go longer. I think, but that's also part of it. The name value is like guys like Verlander, Scherzer, you trust them to throw more pitches because you know they can maintain yeah. their performance that long. Yeah, now getting to after throwing those 100 pitches. A lot of pitchers run after outings, some ice, some don't. Some may use a supplement or a medication. What's the ideal way to recover after throwing 100-plus pitches? Um, I mean, it's personal. Um, yeah. it kind of, you know, some guys do like to run. I know Clemens claimed that pretty heavily. Um, some guys like to lift. Some guys like ice. Some guys like to do nothing. Um, I think personally, I mean, we have what we call like an armory arm recovery program that we have a lot of our pitchers do during the off season after they throw, um, a lot of them seem to like it. So, I mean, I guess that would be my personal choice. Um, but yeah, I mean, so much is personal in baseball, like the food you eat before a game, like everything, everything affects everybody differently. Yeah, who was it, Randy Johnson, who would just delete as many hot dogs as he could before he went out and pitched? <laughs> That's my kind of recovery, actually. Yeah, all right. <laughs> yeah, I never did anything. I mean, I didn't I didn't throw hard or anything. I threw, like, low 70s, but, like, <laughs> high 60s in high school. But, I mean, I I never – my arm never really hurt after games. I mean, I would, I would go to bed. I remember one night I, I slept with my arm like this. The worst thing that ever happened to me. One of the worst things that ever happened to me, I woke up in the morning, I couldn't feel anything. So then I, from then on, I slept with my arm just straight out and it, it worked. So, uh, but man, he dropped the Matt Moore on us, Jasper, just <laughs> straight out of nowhere. Matt Moore, infamous for throwing like 80 pitches through three. I mean, yeah, just an unbelievable name drop. Um, you worked a little bit with uh, Rohan Honda, who's a left-handed pitcher yep. for the San Francisco Giants organization, uh, fifth rounder, I believe. Um, yep. So what's kind of a scouting report on him in terms of work ethic? Uh, what has it kind of been working like uh, working with him? Um, I mean, work ethic is through the roof. I mean, he so I had to wear the shirt today because I figured Rohan would come up. Um, so kind of backstory to how I started working with Rohan is, March 2020, when that Ivy League season got canceled, um, we had a couple of the guys come back. Or, well, one guy that we had worked with before, Eduardo Malinowski, came back from um, Penn. And then after that, it was a slow trickle of referrals 
uh, started with Mason LaPlante from Yale. And, you know, at the peak, we had 14 Yale baseball players training with us. Um, one of them being Rohan. But, I mean, when Rohan came in, August, came in August 2020, so a little over a year ago, um, he was throwing, you know, 85, 86, topping out. Um, and then, you know, he obviously started lifting. He was doing his throwing stuff, you know, so his weighted ball routine and all that stuff through Fred Athletics remotely. Um, but with that combination, you know, by, I want to say it was around Halloween, he was up to 92, 93 off the mound, popping out. Um, around Thanksgiving, he went home for the holidays. And then so basically his throwing now went in-house to tread. We were doing his strength work remotely. Um, but I mean, he never missed a lift. Like, he was constantly asking questions. And the Giants got a good one in him because he, I mean, you saw, I don't know if you saw the video they filmed while the draft was going on. But, I mean, his reaction says it all. Like, he worked his ass off. Um, and it's well-deserved. And he's got excellent facial hair. Excellent facial oh, hair. Yeah. Yeah, I and mean, that, that was the first thing I said. So I was like, "Man, you got a great mustache." Do you ever have like? Because I know you you got for those of you guys on the listening side of things, um, you know, Hayden does have some facial hair. He's got a nice beard going. But would you ever contemplate growing something like Rohan has, like a mustache like that caliber? I don't think I could grow something that good. I don't think I could grow a mustache as good as Rohan's. Um, more of a beer guy. I don't know. Uh, maybe for like Halloween or something, I might shave it down. Something weird, but. You should be Rohan I... for Halloween. <laughs> That's not a bad idea. I might steal that. Yeah, please do. <laughs> um, so I uh, final thing here before we wrap up. Um, you know, I, I talked to someone. We had I had someone on the show who was an intern at Driveline and. I asked, oh, you know, who do you, who are some of the big names that you work with? Because everybody goes through driveline, everybody, you know, and she was like, oh, yeah, they have a non-disclosure agreement. And I was like, oh, you're no fun. So I guess I'll ask you the same question in hopes for a different answer here, Hayden. Who yeah. are some of the, the bigger names or maybe recognizable names in baseball that have come through uh, dynamic training in Houston? So, I mean, there's a lot. So we got... uh Staying local to Houston, Carlos Correa. We've worked with, you know, Tyler White, Tony Sip, Alex Bregman, um, Josh Reddick, um, current big league guys, Key Brian Hayes, the Pirates, Austin Dean with the Cardinals, Robert Duggar with Mariners. Um, got a lot of guys got called up this year. So Alex Lang with the Tigers, uh, Ryan Hendricks with the Reds. Great story, by the way, from the Rays, teammate of Tyler Glass now, because I know you have him on. Uh, Lewis Head, who I don't know if you heard his story, but it, during the offseason, he was basically planning on quitting baseball, not quitting baseball, but retiring. He was selling solar panels door to door, and he got a call to throw a bullpen for the Rays, and obviously ended up making his big league debut. He's been up and down a lot this year, but. And then another raised guy, Shane Boz, a minor league guy. We have a, a pretty good chunk of our pro athletes are minor league guys. 
Um, but we have a handful of big league guys. Lewis, uh, Lewis Head, we'll have to take a look at him. But uh, I know yeah. Sammy Long of the Giants did something similar where he was training to be an EMT. And uh, he posted a few videos on Instagram and Twitter. And the Giants you know, signed him. And you know, I guess that's how a lot of guys are getting signed nowadays. So uh, that's pretty interesting. Uh, and Shane Boz, by the way, who is another bad Pirates trade. But <laughs> like Glasnow. But we, won't have to, we don't have to spear their organization right here, right now. <laughs> Um, because there's a lot of sparing to do uh, for them. <laughs> Anyways, Hayden, I appreciate you. Uh, we appreciate you coming on the show. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, appreciate it. Love to do it again sometime. Some yeah, more. no, absolutely. Yeah. Do you want to kind of drop where we could find you, where we could find some of your work, where you know some more information about dynamic sports training in Houston? Yeah, go so, ahead, plug yourself. Yeah, so at least dynamic sports training. We have five locations, uh, three in Houston. So we have Tomball. Uh, one in like the Memorial Spring Branch area, and then one down southeast in Webster. We have one in San Antonio, and then we have one in Glendale, Arizona, that's based out of Arizona Christian University. Um, but dynamicsportstraining.com. Um, I'm on Twitter and Instagram, DST underscore Hayden. Don't use Instagram a lot. <laughs> Don't use Twitter a lot, but I have them. Um, yeah, dynamicsportstraining.com. And yeah, yeah, go check Hayden out. Uh, shout out to Gianno Parenti for setting this up. He's the guy that uh, always comes in with the plugs on these podcasts. Uh, and and before we wrap up, I asked him. I said, "Hey, is there anything that uh, you know we might want to we might want to tell Hayden?" And he did respond. He did respond with an answer, and he said that uh, he said, uh, "Where is it? I got to find it here." He said, who smashed the vase in art class? He wants to know that. I know he's talking about our high school art class. I don't know who smashed it. I can't remember. Well, yeah, that's to be continued. Yeah. Anyhow, Hayden. <laughs> I know he's going to message me, but man, I can't believe you can't remember that. I remember it. I just don't remember who it was. No, it's probably you. That's probably why he asked. You probably smashed a vase. It, it might have been. You know? I yeah. might have. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. Uh, anyways, you could follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at RizzoCast, R-A-Z-Z-O-C-A-S-T. More episodes coming soon. Again, we're new on new, uh, No Filtered, uh, No Filtered Opinions, NoFilteredNetwork.net, uh, NoFilter.net, I should say. Check us out. Subscribe. Do all those fun things. And, uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun talking to Hayden. Download us, subscribe on uh, YouTube, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast, and see you next time.